0: Last, uh, as you well know, uh, this past week, uh, a gunman opened fire on a crowd of concert goers last weekend in Las Vegas, killing 58 people and injuring over 500. Unbelievable tragedy. And you know, sometimes you're not quite sure uh, how our people might be connected to that, but we actually had a a couple that came up to me in the first service at the, very, at the end and a mom by the name of Danielle, her sister was killed in that tragedy. Her name was Denise. uh, Is Denise, and uh, so just pray for that family if you would. But uh, we have some some church partners in Vegas who are ministering to the people of Vegas, and we just need to be continuing to pray for that community uh, as they go through uh, just this horrific tragedy. And then uh, you know, over the past few months, we've now had four hurricanes hit the United States. Hurricane Harvey hit Southeast Texas, and and really devastated the Houston area, and then Irma, which hit the, the Keys of Florida and Southwest Florida, and then Maria, which really just devastated Puerto Rico, and they're still down there, just really struggling. And today, Nate, which hit Biloxi, Mississippi, and we're seeing the remnants of Nate outside the windows of our church this morning. And then last month, Mexico had three three earthquakes, killing 474 people, injuring over seven uh, 6,300 people. And uh, we seem to have terrorist attacks that are impacting our world, uh, sometimes weekly, for sure almost every month. And we're divided as a nation uh, like no other time that I can remember in my 52 years. Um, There just seems to be constant rumors of wars with other nations like Iran and North Korea. Iran has continuously threatened Israel. Um, The church is being persecuted all over the world. According to Operation World, which is a missions research organization, more Iranians have become Christians in the past 20 years than the past 13 centuries put together. It's the fastest growing evangelical church in the world. Think about that for a moment. Under tremendous persecution, that church is exploding. And, and yet, and, and we had one of our... Um, firefighters come up to me at the end of the service and said, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there were several fires in this area that were were hurt in a a, uh, fire this past week. One of our own guys had a cardiac arrest at the scene. We had several people killed in our community in car accidents and just this past weekend. And listen, I'm just putting all this together and to quote the late great R&B artist from the 70s, Marvin Gaye, I have to ask, what's going on? Seriously, there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, listen, I'm not somebody that's quick to jump to this conclusion. I want you to know I'm not this guy, all right? Uh, but if you read the Gospels, it sounds a bit like we're living in the last days. Jesus tells us in the book of Luke and in the book of Matthew that in the last days, there's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. There's going to be Christians who were persecuted in great numbers. There's going to be revival taking place. There will be widespread threats to Jerusalem, and there will be anguish over the roaring and the tossing of the seas, With all of that going on as Christ followers, what what do we do when all that's happening? Well, here's what Jesus says. just goes down a list of things. He says, first of all, don't be deceived by false teachers. If somebody's saying, I know the exact day, the exact time Jesus is coming back, do not listen to them because they're wrong. Don't be frightened by current events. He says, stand firm in your faith. Don't let your heart be weighed down and captured by the things of this world. Don't let yourself get hung up in all of the things that are going on in the world, but also all the pleasures and and, and the things that are just temporary in this world. And he also says, be ready. Be ready. But then he says, pray constantly. And I think right now when we have an opportunity to serve in places like Southeast Texas and we just had a team come back who partnered with Samaritan's Purse. They were in Houston, just came back. When, when things like that happen and we can, we're gonna pray, but we're also gonna send teams. When we have a situation like we had um, you know, with, with, in, in Puerto Rico when it gets hit by a hurricane, then we can partner with relief organizations. And we just sent... $5,000 to the North American Mission Board. They're doing a great work in Puerto Rico. We sent another five uh, through the offering we took a few weeks ago to, uh, to, to, with World Help, who's also working in Puerto Rico. We're getting ready to invest another five or six in one of the islands that's been devastated, that's kind of maybe being forgotten right now. So when we can do that, we send money. But here's what Jesus says about all of it. Eugene Peterson's version of the message in Luke 21, he says in verse 36, he says, pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. In the midst of everything that's happening and will continue to happen, Jesus wants us to pray and to not get discouraged. He says, pray and do not give up. Pray and do not faint. Jesus is calling the church to pray without ceasing. He is calling us to be diligent and persistent in prayer. There is nothing more powerful that we can be doing for the people of Las Vegas right now than to be praying for them. There's nothing more powerful that we can be doing for our community, our country, and our world than to be praying for them. And I know some of you are, are you know, listening to me talk about prayer, and you realize I'm going down that road to talk about prayer here this morning, and you may be thinking, all right, Brian, here's my challenge with what you're saying. I prayed about a lot of things. I prayed for things to happen before my life, and nothing seemed to happen. So I'm not quite sure I understand Prayer. Or I've prayed for God to give me answers before, and it just, he just seemed to go silent on me. It was like all of a sudden, he just, it's like he turned off the frequency. Well, if that's you I, want you, I want you to know you're not alone. Chances are we've all had moments where we've just felt like our prayers didn't seem to have any impact or effect on a situation. Maybe we've experienced a time of injustice, and we've cried out to the Lord to give us justice, only to be met by what appears to be the silence of God. What is happening in that silence? Why does it appear that there are moments when it just seems like God's not listening at all or or he is listening, but it doesn't seem like we, we can really see what he's doing? We can't quite put our finger on what's happening. Well, this morning we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told to not only a bunch of his followers, but there were Pharisees that were hanging around. His disciples were there. There were people who were onlookers who were trying to still figure out Jesus. But he told this parable about a woman who suffered great injustice and was looking for justice to be served, but no one would listen to her. Look at what it says in verse one of chapter 18. He told them a parable to the effect that, the, that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, I'm in, a cer- in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversaries. Now there are two main characters in Jesus' story. The first is a widow. The reason why Jesus used a widow in this story is because in first century AD in Judea, widows would have been at the bottom of the social ladder. This woman most likely would have been poor and unemployed and uneducated and void of any status or any social clout. And Jesus tells us that this woman was being harassed by someone who was out to get her. An enemy, a town villain, we don't know exactly, but we're told that this person was harassing her. And we can also guess that maybe he was intimidating her physically or or he was trying to take advantage of her in some way. The villain was causing problems for this widow who had no means of protection. She was in a hopeless situation, which leads us to the second character in the story. The second main figure was a a local judge. And this woman is pleading her case to this local judge. Jesus tells us two things about this judge. He says, this guy had no fear of God and he doesn't care about people. So basically, you have a judge who's doing his own thing, making up his own form of justice with no regards to to God's law or the welfare of the common person, and you have a desperate widow who's being villainized by this local thug, and her only recourse is to throw herself on the mercy of this insensitive, reckless judge in hopes that somehow he's going to hear her case and he's going to provide her some kind of protection. So Jesus tells us that this widow comes to plead her case to this judge to throw herself on the mercy of the court. And she tells this judge, listen, all I'm asking you to do is just hear me out. I have absolutely nowhere to turn. I'm in a helpless situation. You're my only hope. And in verse four, it says, for a while he refused. Now you can probably almost just hear this judge just laughing at this woman, maybe throwing her out on the streets. Bailiff, get this annoying woman out of my court at once. But Jesus tells us that this woman would not give up. She persisted. She keeps coming back to the judge over and over and over again pleading her case. She knows that this judge is not only her only option, he is her only hope and she has nowhere else to turn. And so she just wears him out. She pesters him over and over and over again with the same problem. Because again, her hope, she, she has nothing else verse 4 and afterwards he said to her himself though i neither fear god nor respect man yet because this woman keeps bothering me i will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming in other words she i'm just this nagging's just killing me and if her pestering finally pays off, she wears the judge down into submission. She harasses him to the point where he says, I just can't take any more of this woman. She is wearing me out. I can't stand it any longer. I'm just going to grant her, her, her request. So she'll just get off my back. In verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God, who gives justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Asking a question there. Now, why is Jesus telling this story? What's going on here? Well, Jesus is telling this story to say this. This unjust judge in this parable is nothing like our God. God doesn't have to be bribed or worn down to be answering our prayers. God is a loving father who is attentive to our every cry. He's deeply concerned about all of our needs. He is generous with his gifts and he is ready to answer when we call. Jesus also wanted to make a point to say, and we're not like this widow. And in, in, in fact, we're just the opposite of this widow. Th- this woman was a stranger. We are no strangers to God. God calls us his children. This woman had no access to the judge, and yet we have full open access to God the Father at any time. This woman has no friends in the court to help her get her case in front of the judge. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is our advocate and our high priest who actually represents us before the throne room of God, pleading our case. And so when we pray, listen, we don't have to stammer. We don't have to stutter in front of God trying to convince him of something. No, we can boldly claim the word of God and the promises of God before the throne room of God. And then just to make it even that much better, he lets the Holy Spirit come along who assists us in prayers, who makes our prayers make sense in front of the throne room of God. And so Jesus says this, pray and do not give up, pray and do not faint, pray and do not lose heart. In other words, don't stop praying, be persistent in prayer. You can do it. Go on. Come on. You can do it. It's a good thing. All right. See, the ultimate reason Jesus tells us stories to encourage us to come to him in prayer. When it comes, when it's the issue of prayer, he wants us to level up. He wants us to go to whole new heights when it comes to talking to him and communicating with him. Jesus knew that he was going to be leaving the earth soon. He knew that his followers were going to face some difficult times. But also, he also knows about the hurricanes. He knows about the earthquakes. He knows about the killings. He knows about the, the talks of war. He knows about the hatred and the disunity and the division. And he knows about the persecution. So to help his followers to not lose heart, to not give up, he says, talk to me. Pray. God wants us to pray persistently. Don't just throw out the quick prayer just to ease your guilt. No, level up in prayer. Dig in. Pray persistently. But why? Why, 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 can't we just, why? why can't we just pray once and have him answer us? Why do we even have to pray at all? Doesn't God already know everything that's going to happen? Isn't he up there just calling the shots anyways? Why, sh- why should we even bother to talk to him? Well, let's see if we can answer some of those questions today. Why, why should we be persistent in prayer? Why, why should I level up in my prayer life? Well, first of all, persistent prayer helps me to keep my focus. It helps me to keep my focus. If there was ever a time in history when Christians need to be focused, it's right now. When we pray persistently, it helps us to keep our minds focused on several things. First, it helps me to keep my focus on who God is. This widow had a need. She kept coming to the one who could meet her need. This judge had the power to grant her justice even though he did not fear God or care about man, he still had the power. She was focused on who had the power to meet her need. As we pray persistently, as we continue to seek God with the needs and the desires that we have because we have something that needs to be fulfilled that makes us recognize and think about, and think on the one who has the power to fulfill our needs. And listen, there's gonna be times as we're praying about a specific situation that nothing seems to be happening. And we may begin to question if God is willing or even if he's able. But listen, that just serves to help us to think about God's ability to work powerfully on our behalf. It reminds us that not only are his mighty acts his, his mighty acts recorded in the Bible, but he has a track record of doing the miraculous in our lives. If he's done it in the past, he's going to do it again. Now, personally, I'll tell you, I've been praying for something very specific for the last 12 years. I mean, I, almost every morning I'm praying for this situation. I'm not going to tell you what the issue is in the world. We call this an unspoken prayer. How many of you ever heard of the the infamous unspoken prayer? All right, in the church. So listen, let me tell you what that's all about. That's the Christian way of saying, real nice, please pray for my request. But I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's none of your business. All right, but I need you to pray for me. But I've been praying persistently over this situation for 12 years. And God seems to be silent and honestly, I don't question God's ability. I know that he's able, but at times it's, it's been discouraging because I don't know if God's gonna answer this prayer the way I'm praying it. Sometimes it's hard to see it happening. But I remind myself of the things that God has done in the past during seasons when he seemed to be silent. And it just helps me to remember who God is and what he's able to do. And it keeps me focused on God who is able to do what seems to be impossible. He is a God who has the power to stop the sun. He's already done that. He's a God who has the power to sustain the universe and he's doing it right now. He has a power to raise the dead and he has. He is a God who can cure what seems to be uncurable and he does those things. Listen, I, I think moments when, when this church, I think about moments when this church over to our 20 year history, when we have literally run out of money and I couldn't see where it was going to come from. I didn't see how God was going to answer it. And right at the last minute, he would come through unexpectedly from an unexpected source. There have been times when Amy and I, we have, we have prayed with tears rolling down our faces for our boys. We couldn't see how God was going to answer the things we were praying for. There felt like time that he was being silent and all of a sudden he just came through. God is powerful. God is able. And during those times that I'm praying and nothing seems to be happening, I am forced to think and focus on the God who, what, who he is and what he's done. Westridge Church, He's able. Ephesians 3:20 says now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever amen Persistent prayer will help you to keep your focus on the God who is able to do infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine But it also helps me to focus on who I am This widow in the story recognized she could not get justice for herself she was powerless And in ourselves, we need to know we are powerless. We need to have a real view of who we are. We are powerless in ourselves. However, when we focus on who we are, and not only do we realize the fact that we're powerless, but we also recognize that we are children of God. If you receive Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, you are his child. John chapter one, verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so because you're a child of God, God says, you can approach me with confidence. You can walk into the throne room of grace and you can boldly speak to me like a father. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Think about that. We can confidently go to God in prayer and seek help in time of need just like a a father would approach a child. Apostle Paul in Romans chapter eight, verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The word Abba in the Aramaic literally is translated Daddy daddy. I read this story recently about a Roman empire in his chariot. He was in his chariot as part of a, a processional. He was in a parade and there were cheering people that lined the streets and there were legionnaires stationed to, to keep the people back at a safe distance from this Roman emperor. And the, the, the Roman uh, emperor's family sat on a platform and, and watched him as he went by the, 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 the parade, the, the, the position where they were, and as the emperor came near all of a sudden, a young boy jumped from the platform and worked his way through the crowd. And he, he tried to dodge a, a legionnaire who, who, who was trying to stop him from getting to the emperor. And the emperor finally, or the, the, the legionnaire, the soldier finally stopped the young man. He says, You can't go near him. And the boy laughed and said, You know what? He may be your emperor, but he's my father. And he ran into his father's open arms. Listen, we are children of the King of kings and Lord of lords who says you can come not only company, confidently into the throne room of grace and approach me, but you can approach me like a child approaches his daddy. When you need me, you jump into my arms. That's how I welcome you. And so as I pr- persistently pray, it not only helps me to focus on who God is and who I am, but it also helps me to focus on what's important. What's important? In this parable, this woman, this woman wanted justice. She persisted because that that's what was important to her. Have you ever prayed for something and you're just you're just praying and praying and praying, and all of a sudden you just stop praying. You go, you know what? That really wasn't as important as I thought it it needed to be. That really wasn't a big deal. It was at the time, but as I prayed and I saw God and I saw who I was and I focused on what was important, I realized that really wasn't important. See, persistent prayer is going to weed out all of those things that really aren't important to us or, or, or important in life. And it's gonna help us to stay focused on what was really important. So God wants me to pray persistently so I can keep focused on who he is, on who I am and what's important. But he also wants me to pray persistently because it helps me not to get discouraged and to give up. Back in the summer of 1986, I was in between my junior and senior year of college. And uh, I, I had a moment about, about a two and a half, three month struggle with anxiety. It was tough. I was playing college baseball. I had just torn my labrum. And that pretty much ended things for me. And uh, I had a girlfriend of over two and a half years that had just broken up with me. I wasn't really confident about my major. I didn't really know where I was going really unsure about my future. So the summer of 1986 was, was really a summer of discouragement and anxiety. And I remember my dad sitting me down and he opened up his Bible and he said, son, I wanna speak some verses of scripture over your life. And I'm gonna to commit to not only pray for you, but I'm gonna ask God to give you victory over this anxiety and discouragement. I'm gonna ask him to take you and I, take it away and I'm not gonna stop praying until I see that victory. And he read this verse over, these two verses over me from Philippians chapter four, verses 16, verses six and seven, which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible antidote for discouragement and even anxiety and stress. I mean, it's it's just prayer, but it's not just prayer. It's prayer with thanksgiving. In other words, when you're stressed out or anxiety has taken over you, whether it's temporarily or something, or you are ready to give up and you're ready to quit, you tell God what you need and you just thank him for what he's already done. And you you get your mind focused on who he is and who you are and what he's done in the past. And as you do that, you begin to realize not only do I serve a God who's able But I serve a God who in the past has done infinitely more than I could ever ask or imagine. And as you do that, as you do that, and it may not happen overnight, but as you do that, it's like the peace of God, which exceeds anything we could understand, begins to guard your heart and guard your mind through, the Bible says, the power of Jesus. In other words, God begins to flood those feelings and and his emotions and our emotions with that peace. And I remember that summer, it didn't happen for me all at once. But I remember having a dad who would not give up praying for me. My mom joined him. She just prayed for me through that summer, just persisted. And my dad taught me not only how to pray, but to pray with thanksgiving. And he prayed me through that season until I had victory over that anxiety. Some of you are dealing with this today. It's like this cloud of discouragement is over you, or, or you're just feeling anxious inside about your future or about the present or you're stressed out and maybe you're just ready to give up. And Jesus said, this is why I'm telling this parable to you, so that you will pray and not lose heart. So you will pray and not faint. So you will pray and not quit. He says, come to me with persistent prayer and thanksgiving and allow my peace to just flood over you, to calm the stress in your life, to calm your spirit, to calm your mind. Persistent prayer also not only helps me not to get discouraged and give up, but it also helps me to see God's hand move. The king in this story said, Because this lady will not stop nagging me, will not stop driving me crazy with this request for justice, I'm just going to give it to her so she'll leave me alone. And Jesus says, Listen, if that's what an unjust judge will do, just think about what God will do for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Listen, it glorifies the Father, it glorifies God to answer our prayers. And God has chosen prayer to be his method to meet our needs and for us to have intimacy with him. C.H. Spurgeon, the great pastor from London, England, said he once said, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouth. The thing you may need right now in your life may be lacking because you're not praying. Maybe you're in a marital issue right now and you are just praying for your wife to change. You're praying for your husband to change, all right? But you're not asking God to change you. Maybe you've done everything in your own power to change your spouse. I'm gonna change them if it's the last thing. I, but listen, and it's just gotten worse for you, hadn't it? Pray it through. Pray it through until one of you change. And what I've learned is if God doesn't change that person, he usually changes me. Some of you are in a job situation right now. You have been out of work for months, or or the job that you have right now is just sucking the life out of you. And you've tried everything in your own power to handle this situation. But you haven't tried prayer. And it's time for you to pray about what you're involved in. Here's what's going to happen God's either going to change you, He's going to change your situation, or He's going to move you out of where you are. Change the people you work for. How about a child? Man, some of you, you are in it. You have a child who's out of the house. Maybe they're married and man, they walked away from God or you have a child in your house and they're just struggling right now. Maybe it's they're struggling spiritually or they're struggling through something physically and you're giving it your best shot as a parent. I wanna, I wanna encourage you to just pray. Pray persistently. Pray until you see victory. Pray until you see God answer. Pray until God shows you what's going on. Some of you are in an emotional issue right now and you're just you're battling depression and you're battling anxiety and some, maybe some kind of dependency in your life. Prayer can set you free. The power of God can set you free. Listen, I'm not telling you that God's some genie in a bottle or some magic fairy that grants a wish every time we call on him, but he's made some promises in regards to our needs and our prayer lives. James chapter 5 verse 16 says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and it's effective. I like how the New Living Translation says it. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And some of you women in here, you are fighting for your family right now. You're a praying woman. And the Bible says the prayers of a righteous woman has great power and produces wonderful results. Don't give up. Some of you men in here, you are praying for a, f- a friend, you're praying for a wife, you're praying for a son or daughter. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and they're effective. Don't give up praying. God loves meeting our needs, but he's chosen prayer as his method to accomplish this. And then f- number four, persistent prayer helps me to de- demonstrate my faith. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse eight, he says, I tell you, he who gives, he, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, Will he find faith on earth? Our persistent and continual prayer to the Lord, the King of Kings, is a constant demonstration of our faith in him. As we persist in prayer to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you're the Lord. We believe you have the power. We believe you're a good God. We believe that you're able and that you answer prayer. And our faith is in you, Lord. And it's in you alone. Several months ago, uh, my wife and several of our ladies here at Westridge Went on a missions trip to Guatemala. And one of our close buddies, uh, a lady by the name of Amy Barfield, was on this trip. And uh, I remember when Amy was trying to get ready for this trip and trying to raise money for this trip, it was just amazing to watch God just bring all of this here together for her. And so we were able to capture her story over the last several weeks, and we're going to show it to you right now. Watch the screens.
1: I have a job that's pretty demanding a husband that travels all the time for his work, have two kids with their own sports practices and music lessons, and I'm president of the PTF. On top of all that, I serve at our church. I serve at my children's school. So when I was originally asked to go on a mission trip, I thought, there's no way. The problem with my perspective on the trip was not whether or not I should go, but whether or not I had the faith to allow God to step in and accomplish what needed to happen so that I could follow him wherever he wanted me to go. And really he just said, Amy, I want you to trust me. I want you to have enough faith so that you can go on this trip and do what it is I have planned and let me worry about the rest. After enough time in prayer, I knew that I had to step out in faith. I was going to go on this trip, and the realization hit me. Um, This has a significant cost attached to it. It's very humbling to ask for help of any kind, but I think definitely to ask for funds in any way because you know that everybody has their own needs in their own life and their own bills to pay and things that they're responsible for. But again, God just kept saying, you have faith in me and I'll take care of the rest. And God showed up for not only every cent, but enough that there was funds still left over to help other team members go. I remember um, when we landed in Guatemala, the first day we all climbed in a cattle truck and rode up a, a mountain. As we reached the village, all these children appeared from nowhere, with just pure joy on their faces, and they were so thrilled to see us, and they were waving and laughing, and And every day of the trip, experiencing the things that the people of Guatemala are grateful for were life-changing for me. To understand that it's not the things that we think we need, but it truly is the joy of God's people coming together that truly bring us joy. Um, A couple days later, we were putting on a women's event. A small group of us had gone door to door, and a lady appeared. Um, Our translator at the time said to her, could these women pray with you? And she said, would they come back to the dwelling where I'm staying? And so we hiked for quite a while until we came down a narrow path to what was basically a half concrete cracking structure with a piece of tin sort of propped up against it. And there were six children sitting on a cot who all looked hopeless they had had to flee from an abusive situation and come to the home of her brother. Her brother and his wife were traveling at that time and had made it clear to them that when they got back, they had to find another place to stay. And there was no other place for them to stay. And when we asked her what she needed, her response was prayer. And so we did. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly what God was calling me to do in that moment that we were going to build this family a home and that he would show up and do something that only he could do if I would just obey what he was asking me to do and have faith to see it through. And for this house to be built on the next trip, we would have to raise the funds that were needed, which was close to $10,000 in about three short months or less. But again, just thought, God, you know what? I felt the same way when you asked me to go on this trip, and I know that you're able to do so much more than I can ask or imagine. And we just all agreed to pray together and just trust God for what he would do and know that because he had been the one who started this, that he would see it through. And just a few short weeks ago, Westridge was able to go back to Guatemala and build a home for the Ortega family and there it was there was the house and the children and the mom and everyone is smiling and joyful and I see what I didn't see before on their faces which was hope he is so much more able to do what it is that he wants to accomplish than we can ever imagine in the moments where we look at something and go this is impossible or there's no way there is a way and Jesus will always be it.
0: I don't know if you picked up what was all going on in that story, but you got a lady on top of a mountain with six kids who's come out of an abusive situation. She's trying to flee from that. And she is praying. I don't know how long she had been praying, but she's praying. Lord, I don't know how you're gonna do this. This seems impossible, but I, I don't know where my kids are gonna live. I don't know how I'm gonna feed this family. And all of a sudden, God, at just the right moment, bring someone like Amy Barfield up that mountain with a bunch of our ladies and she's been praying Lord would you show me why I'm on this trip would you show me what I'm supposed to do and all of a sudden prayer connects prayer runs into faith this woman who's been praying because God all it's all it's all he she has and Amy who's trusting God and God brings them together and God puts it on Amy's heart. She comes back praying, asking God. She seemed, she's like, this is impossible. And in about three months, she's able to raise all that money with all of your help. And we get to send a team to go back to build that lady a house. That's how God works. When we can't see how he's gonna do it, that's what he does. What an amazing, that's how prayer demonstrates our faith. Listen, there are gonna be times when we, we're praying, we're thinking, God, you're not listening. There's gonna be times when we think that maybe it's no use to prayer, that God doesn't care. Listen, God cares. God is listening. God is working even when you can't see it. The question is, do you have the faith to believe that? Do you you believe that he's working enough to keep praying? Westridge Church, if Jesus were to come back today, would he find faith on earth? Would he find faith at Westridge Church? Prayer demonstrates our faith. It says, God... I'm dependent upon you every issue, every need, every concern, every question. I need you, I trust you because you're able. And because of that, my life's in your hands. Every, every part of it. Holding nothing back. And I'm gonna keep praying, and I'm gonna keep praying until you show me what it is you're doing. And if the answer is no, I'll trust you. If the answer is not yet, wait. Just know that I'm working in your life. If the answer is yes, all right, then Lord, I know why we've been praying. I know what I've been praying, why I've been praying this. But regardless of how He answers, Lord, I trust you. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I'm curious, how many of you today, you're in a situation right now where maybe God has been silent, maybe you have been praying but you're just, you're just waiting and you're not quite sure what, what God's doing and you're, maybe you're a bit discouraged today, but, but you're just praying and you need us to pray with you through this season that you're in right now and you needed this today. Would you just raise your hand up all over this auditorium? Scores of hands. Father, I pray for every person that just raised their hand right now. You know their needs. You know their concerns. You know their heart you hear their prayers, you're with them. And Father, would you answer clearly? If it's no, may we praise you because you've kept us from something that may harm us, something that is not best for us. If it's not yet, may we continue to pray. May we continue to, just, Lord, may we not lose heart. May we not faint. May we keep praying. And if it's yes, we'll give you all the glory for what you wanna do and what you're gonna do would you be with every, every person that raised their hand? And those that didn't, those at home who are listening today, who are struggling through something right now, who tuned into this today because they needed what God had to say to them today. For those of you who are here and, and maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your savior, I want you to know there's a great chance that you are, you are an answer to a prayer at this moment. What God is doing in your life right now someone's been praying that that would happen. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior, I want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord, at this very moment, in the best way that I know how, I put all of my faith and trust in you alone. I ask you, Lord, to be my Savior. Would you come into my life and save me? I thank you for this gift of salvation that I don't deserve, but I receive it by faith. Thank you for this this gift of grace. Forgive me of my sins and help me to know what to do next. But today, I wanna be a child of God. And so I say yes to this invitation for salvation and new life. And if you just prayed that with me, I want you to get your Get Connected card out, fill it out, take it back to the help center in the atrium, or bring it up here to the front. I'll be up here. We'll have some of our prayer counselors. We'd love to talk with you and help you to take next steps. But Lord, help us to pray and not give up, to pray and not lose heart, to pray and not faint, in the midst of all that's going on all over our world, in the midst of what's happening in our community, in the midst of what's happening in our own homes, may we trust you. You're a God who's able to do immeasurably, infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we put our trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen.